good morning. Do I have to preach after that? <laughs> Man, it's so good to be with you guys. Let's go ahead and take our Bibles and make our way to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter 1. So if you want to make your way there, Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, if you don't know me, uh, my name is Ethan, and I'm one of the pastors here at the Well Church. And uh, it's such an honor to, to have you worshiping with us if this is your first time. And so uh, if you're new here, I hope you find yourself at home. Um, we're a small church family that, that loves people. And, and so uh, we, we hope that you find a friend here today and you find a person to connect with. Uh, and I would love to meet you myself uh, after the service. And so uh, if you're here, again, we're so, so honored that you are joining us as we get the glorious opportunity to praise the name Jesus and to lift up high the name of the Son of God. Um, I do want to say, just to uh, reiterate what Anna mentioned just a few moments ago, uh, this past weekend might have been my favorite weekend we've ever had uh, at our church family. And, and I don't just say that to kind of like, like just go over hyperbolic about something, but it was actually that good. Um, this past weekend, we had WellCon, our Well Conference, and everyone was together. Um, it was our church family and the Well Church Florence and Church of the Oaks, and it was nothing short of amazing, of just getting to be with people that we had never met, uh, yet we had the same common thread of sending disciple makers of Jesus by being disciple makers of Jesus. And so it was just so cool, like just talking to people at Church of the Oaks and then saying, hey, I placed my faith in Jesus just a few months ago, and now I am growing in Christ. Or someone at the Well Church in Florence saying, hey, I've been a Christian for many years, and now I'm taking a step in leading and discipling others. And then people saying, I'm going to say yes and commit my life in the next season in my journey to be about church planting. And so if you came here today, you may have been like, hey, like, what's with everyone wearing these little shirts? Like, did the well get a new shirt? Yes and no. <laughs> the answer is, yes, we did get a new shirt. The answer is, no, it is not our shirt. It is the Banner Church. And so Malachi and Liz, um, two of my closest friends in life, uh, they have been praying about planning a church for many, 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 many years. And I've been begging them to join the Well Network for many, 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 many years. And just through the Lord's providence yesterday, uh, we got to come together. And in this place, we, we, we got to announce that we're, we are sending them and prayerfully as many of our folks to move to Jacksonville, Alabama, uh, to be for the campus and for the city and for the nations. And so it was an, uh, an amazing day. Um, and so I just want to encourage you, you know, if you're here and you're considering church planting and what that may look like to prayerfully ask the Lord, is he leading you to move to a new city? And maybe he would be leading you towards Jacksonville to help them plant the Banner Church uh, in that city. So it's, it's, it was an amazing weekend. Um, you'll get to hear more about it in the days ahead. But I really hope that that was helpful for you if you were here and encouraging to you as we've seen the faithfulness of God in planting churches. One other thing about it, Alan, he slid in a little tagline, a little spoiler. And I kind of want to do what Netflix does. But like, if you, if you watch like a Netflix series, they release it all at one time. And uh, they always leave a cliffhanger 
like on the very last episode. Uh, and what they do is they leave a very important cliffhanger and then they make you wait one year until the next season comes out, right? And it's the most agonizing thing ever. Uh, Alan did that at the end yesterday. And, and, and so what he said, if you didn't catch it, was uh, we have a hope and prayer. And if the Lord wills, and the Lord is kind to us. We, we hope to next WellCon, a year from now, uh, not announce to you church plant number five, but church plant number five, six, and seven. And so that is the hope and prayer and dream, and we believe the Lord is leading us that way. And so just to like put that in the back of your mind to remember like a year from now, like you should go to WellCon. That's why, because <laughs> we need lots of people to move. So uh, we are doing the opposite of church growth. We're trying to get people to leave our church, to go plant churches, and I love it. So it was an amazing weekend, and uh, I just, I'm so thankful that we get to be a small part of what God is doing uh, in church planting. Uh, today in uh, the book of Ephesians, we're going to continue on uh, going through the entire book. And so Christian, uh, if you don't know him, he's our worship pastor. He opened us up uh, in Ephesians chapter 1 last week and began to talk about the Lord moving and calling us and saving us and sustaining us. And so this week, we are going to continue on in verses 15 through 23 and finish out chapter 1 as we see the hope of Christ and the hope that which he has called us to and how it will be fleshed out in our lives. And so in our lives, we recognize that they're temporary, they're short. And as we consider the trajectory and where we're heading, what do we hope in and how do we hope? We find the answer in chapter one, this letter half. And so here is my hope and prayer for you today is that you would be encouraged. That you would be encouraged by the Son of God. You would be encouraged by Christ and what He is offering to us here as we have new life in Him. And so my goal is your encouragement today as a follower of Jesus Christ, that you would be encouraged deeply to be a part of the family of God. And if you're not in the body of Christ, you're not a follower of Jesus, that you would see the goodness of the gospel message that Jesus Christ saves sinners, and he can save you today. So let's look at verse 15. We're going to read these verses. We will pray, and then we will walk through this passage together. So Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, starting in verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's pray together, and then we will unpack this text. 
Heavenly Father, we come to you now and we just ask that as we read your word, that you would cut to our hearts today and that we would be encouraged by the hope we find in Jesus. This is your heart towards the church of Ephesus here. And I believe this is your heart towards towards us today uh, as the well church. So Lord, I pray for the one here that is struggling in their journey with you, struggling in their marathon, this ministry, this race with you, that they would find hope and encouragement here and that all of us would rise together because we have been saved by your son and called according to his purposes. So Lord, be with us now. I pray that these would be your words, not mine, and that you would change us as we reflect and see how you speak to us today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. This passage is chocked full of the depths of the character and attributes of God. It really is. You know, when you read through Ephesians, you look through it, and it's quite eye-opening as you wrestle through it. And so that's why even Christian last week was just having to pace himself just to get through the verses because there's so much to consider. And, and what Paul has done in chapter 1 is he has laid this foundation for how we are saved in Christ and how he has redeemed us and how he has sustained us and then he begins to move onward towards praying and having thanksgiving for the church. So he says in the beginning, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, we see that Paul has heard of what is happening in Ephesus. If you remember, Christian mentioned last week that Paul is a prisoner as he writes this letter to be addressed to the church of Ephesus. And so as he remains as a prisoner, he hears of the church's working, the church's faithfulness. To verify that, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, it says, to the saints who are in Ephesus, and check out how he describes them, and are faithful in Christ Jesus. And so the idea is that Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, this Ephesian group of believers, they are faithful to the gospel ministry. They are faithful to the Lord. And I hope and pray that as we partner in churches and we partner across the state, and we partner with other bodies of believers, that when they recognize the well, that we would be a faithful church family. One that has been sold out for the gospel and for living in obedience to him. Paul has heard about it, and so now he wants to encourage them of what they have done. He says, I do not cease, verse 16, to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. We pause for a second and just consider this. Paul has this posture of thanksgiving and gratitude and remembrance towards the church. And he says, I do not cease to give thanks, remembering you in my prayers. I believe we have an incredible opportunity to be a people, a church of prayer daily. That you and I not only would pray for this church family, but we would pray for churches all across our city of different denominations and places all over, bodies of believers, that we would encourage them and pray for them because this is the model we see from the life of Paul. He is planting churches. The New Testament church is multiplying and it is saturated in the daily consistent prayer from the saints towards all the different churches. It's not just about us, right? It's not about 
are a castle. It's about the kingdom of God, right? We're not the next big thing in town. We never will be. But we have the opportunity to show thanksgiving to, to all the different churches and to the people in this congregation. So I want to call you and urge you to pray with thanksgiving. Pray that God would bless these churches and that we would thank him for being faithful for who he is, that we would do this. And so he says in verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know the hope to which he has called you. So let me pause there. He not only thanks the Lord for the faithfulness towards this church and the faithfulness of the church, but then he begins to pray for their encouragement and hope and growth in Christ. He begins to pray and he says, I pray that the eyes would, of your heart would be enlightened, that they would grow. He says that, he prays that the Lord would give him the spirit of wisdom and revelation, this understanding of the Lord. And so he is not content with just the church staying where it is, but he is praying for them to continue in ministry. He's praying for them to continue in their growth. He's praying for them to continue growing as a disciple maker of Jesus. And so it's not just where they are today, but he is praying for where they are heading. This is the posture that we should, uh, we should encapsulate as well, that we praise God for what he has done now, but we expectantly pray for what is to come in our lives as individuals and our church as a whole, that the well church story is not done yet, but God is taking us to new places and he's growing us as individuals. He's maturing us as disciple makers. He's planting new churches. He is doing work in the city of Huntsville. He's doing work on the campus. It is not complete yet. And so he is praying that the saints, they would grow. The eyes of the heart would be enlightened, that they would receive this wisdom and this revelation so that they would have hope. You'll notice again in verse 18, he says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. And so I want to describe this hope from the scriptures that, that Paul has given us. And, he, and he's given us two truths that relate to the Christian hope. The hope that we find in Jesus Christ and the one that gives us eyes to see until the end and the strength we need to persevere. I want to give you two truths to reflect on from this passage and I'll explain how this affects us as a church family afterwards. So the two truths. The first one that I want you to see here is this. And truth number one, that the same future bestowed on all believers awaits you. Okay? That the same future bestowed on all believers awaits you. You'll notice in verse 18, the latter part of it. Paul writes, you'll know the hope to which he has called you. And watch this. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. What a beautiful verse. That if you are in Christ, the hope that we find in him partly is found in where we see the riches of the glorious inheritance of his saints. Now we got to figure out, well, what does that mean? 
Like, what is he actually saying right there? Uh, this past weekend, it was really exciting because uh, we got to demonstrate, we had the opportunity to demonstrate hospitality uh, to all kinds of people that we didn't know. And so many of you uh, people were coming from Tuscaloosa or Florence, and they're like, hey, I really don't want to get a hotel or Airbnb. Can I sleep on your couch? Or, hey, we have about 20 people. Can we fit them in your living room? Uh, or whatever it may be. But there were people all across the state, and they would just stay in different rooms of, of our church family and our members. And so it was really sweet. I'm very thankful that you guys were willing to do that. It was very kind of you uh, to demonstrate that to them. But the reason I say that is all these people, they had different homes awaiting for them. Uh, within the body of Christ, we as the universal church, as the grand body of Christ, the family of God, we have a place and we have a room prepared for us. Not just in our physical home, but in the one that is to come. In John 14, I just want to read this to you if you're a note taker, you can jot this down. John 14, verses 1 and 3, Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And watch this. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I, where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And so here is the idea that the Christian hope is founded and we know where our eternity lies. Is that is in the Father's house. I was talking to Lexi about this verse and she said, hey, you need to tell them about the, the old song, the big, big house. Like if you grew up in church, like, you know, like, <laughs> I'm not going to sing them, I'm a bad singer. But like the Lord has a place prepared for you. It's a part of this glorious inheritance of the saints that you get to go and just as Psalms 23 says, you dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we find hope in that. In Revelation, chapter, at the very end of God's word, John, as he's exiled on the island of Patmos, he gives a description of what this life is to look like. A world where, an eternity where, we get to be with the Father. We get to be in this place that He's prepared for us. He says in Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And then check this out, the Christian hope. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. 
He said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty. I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. Key word. And I will be his God and he will be my son. See, It's in Christ. When we think about the riches of this glorious inheritance, we see that this life is temporary. This life is short. This life is insufficient. But we have hope seeing in what is to come. And so for believers of past, believers today, and believers in the days to come, as they place faith in Christ, we have this common thread that all of us have a glorious inheritance awaiting us. And it gives us hope. We see that, number one, the same future bestowed on all believers awaits you. But number two, that I want you to see the second truth from this passage is that the same power that conquered the grave lives within you. So not only do we see the same future bestowed on all believers awaits you, but now the same power that conquered the grave lives within you. You'll notice in verse 18, as he continues on, he says in chapter one, verse 18, what are the riches of this glorious inheritance of the saints? And then watch this, verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? We see this incredible power displayed towards the church and towards believers. The same power that conquered the grave lives within us. Here's what I mean by that. Um, when I think about my kids, um, at first, like in the, in the initial season, especially with, with Heidi, uh, we were able to see like, like the physical characteristics, like who she looks like and what attributes are attributed to like mom or dad, whoever it was. And, um, and it's really sweet to see that. But as, as she has grown up and as, as she has begun to display her personality, we begin to see like which parent that comes from. And sometimes like when Heidi does, this is actually really mean to me. Sometimes Heidi do something bad and be like, she got that from you, Lex. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I get in trouble for that like a lot. <laughs> um, but I see like these characteristics in my kids that I, I think come from Lexi or I or a combination of us both. Like they just have like when you hear a parent say like this kid has this person's personality. And so like Heidi, she was this gentle and lowly baby. And now she is this bold, confident, independent little girl. And so she has a spirit to go into the room and she says, let's go. And uh, I believe she gets that from Lex. And so you may not know Lex like that, but uh, within uh, that is part of Lexi's personality, this boldness. And so uh, Piper, on the other hand, is probably the opposite. Uh, She's just steady and chill and that's about it. And it's pretty awesome because it makes it easy for us at home. And, and, we, and me and Lexi have talked about that. We feel like that comes a little more from my side. Not that I'm the most gentle and steady person in the world, but uh, generally we, we, we attribute that there. And so we think about these different characteristics uh, with kids that they get from their parents. There is a characteristic that we have received from God, and it is his strength living through us. It's in Christ 
that he says in verse 19. We see the immeasurable greatness of his power, watch this, toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. And so we see that in the New Testament, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And the book of Romans, Paul teaches us that it is God who raised him from death to life. And so what we discover and see from this is that this strength, this power lives within us because God has sent his spirit to dwell inside of us. And so this strength is not our own, but it belongs to him and is how the Christian functions and hopes through all of ministry and life. See, God gives us something, and that something is his strength that works within us. That's why we sing it in Christ alone. And so what this means is that if you are here today, and you may be like me after WellCon, and you're tired. <laughs> is anyone tired after WellCon? I'm so tired. Uh, I, I, I have days like that, and I would imagine you do too. Ministry never ends. In our life with Jesus, it's always ongoing. There's always things happening. And because of this, we have rhythms and seasons where it's generally just harder than others. And so what we discover is very quickly, we see how limited our strength is. If we try to go through this journey, we try to go in this life on our own. But then we see how amazing God is. We see how great his power is. We see how wonderful his strength is. That when it comes to the well church and living in obedience to what he has called us to do, we don't rely on ourselves, but we lean into him, right? That we trust in his strength. We trust in his working. We trust in his power working through us so that we can be obedient and faithful and that we can have hope to persevere to the end. See, the Christian hope does not come from something that we can muster up within ourselves. The Christian hope comes from the strength of the Son, Jesus Christ. Here's how it's displayed. If you look at the final verses, he says, according to the working of his great mind, in verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So here is what we do. We hope in what is to come and we hope in what is being done today because Christ has saved us so we can spend eternity with him and he has saved us so that we can live in obedience to him now. And we do that because of the strength displayed from God to the Son and now his spirit living within us as we are made new. He has given us the strength as a church. He has given us, and this is all possible because of Christ. Everything ties to him. He says that he worked this in Christ, and because of this, in verse 22, he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so I love how he finishes the Christian hope, this idea here, is that it is Christ who fills you. The fullness of Christ who fills him all in all. And so today, if you are running on empty, you have to look no further. That Christ is the one who fills you.
Today, if you're looking for your own ability, your own pathway to live in obedience to Christ, look no further. You must only go to him. For those of you that are just wore out, discouraged from life, you have to look no further because Jesus Christ has a glorious inheritance for his saints. And that is why we have hope. And so today, be encouraged because Christ has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he has saved us. And while this life is but a vapor, one day we will be with him forever. Is that you? Today, if you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus, this glorious inheritance, this glorious gift that he is giving to all of the church, are you receiving that today? Is your name in the book of life? If you've never trusted in Jesus, I want to call you to follow him. I'm reminded after this past weekend just how good his salvation is. There's so many people here who, and I say so many, all of us have a common thread. We've all messed up. We've all been broken. We've all rebelled against God. We've done all of these things. And for this reason, we were deserving of punishment. We were deserving of wrath. But God is greater than our sin. And his son came from heaven to earth, lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross. He rose three days later so that you and I could be saved. Listen, friend, if you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus, wait no longer. Because as he calls to you through his word, you have the opportunity to respond in faith to him today. And we will celebrate new life in you. If that is you, this family has room for you. And God is calling you to come. Trust in Jesus, and he will be your hope. Let's pray together.